0: Hey, good morning, Gretna. It's Pastor Robert. It is great to see you today. We are in the fourth and final week of this year's Advent series. It's called Behold, the Savior Comes. In the first week, we talked about faith, the need to have a faith that truly transcends our times, right? And when we find our, our way to allow ourselves to truly trust that Jesus will carry us, that Jesus will get us where we need to go that we are able to move into a future we cannot see with a hope that cannot be shaken. We also, in week two, talked about this sense of great joy that comes with being in the presence of God, the kind of great joy that occurred with the shepherds and the people of God and Jesus' family when they first laid eyes on their savior. The kind of great joy that only comes when we are in the presence of Jesus and and he is working in our lives. And last week we talked about peace, Um, peace that seems elusive in our world right now with so much violence and, and so much conflict. It's really hard to find peace in our hearts and our minds and in our daily lives, but the kind of peace that Jesus offers is really a capacity that is not dependent upon our present circumstances or situation, but is really dependent on the presence of God and can carry us through in the midst of those difficulties this week we're going to talk about renewal renewal and jesus's invitation to experience rebirth and renewal in him to do that we're going to look at the book of revelation we're going to look at one of the churches in the book of revelation specifically the church of laodicea and you might say to yourself revelation why would you go to revelation for renewal that's about the end times right but but revelation really is a picture of the ultimate renewal. This, this notion that when it's all said and done, all will be made right, right? All will be made holy. And all of those who follow God will be fully rebirthed and renewed permanently. Ultimately, the story of Revelation, which should give us some strength and solace, is that God wins. Despite what we see all around us, God wins. But that doesn't mean it's going to be easy along the way. Jesus uh, is going to come to in John John the apostle wrote the book of Revelation and and it kind of came to him as a vision from God. And Jesus is going to send an emissary an angel if you will to each of seven churches in the first 2 and 3 chapters of Revelation. Chapters 2 and 3. And and each time he comes to them and says, "Look, these are some things you need to work on. These are some challenges you have." And and but he always ends with this sense of renewal, the sense of an opportunity to to re- be reborn, to be different, to be something more than you were before. And those invitations are both individual and corporate to the churches themselves. And I think corporately as the church, the big C church, we're going through a big transition, right? Our, our place in our Society is different than it was 20, 30, 40 years ago where the church was largely the driver of standards and policies and laws and morality and, and all of the different sets of ex- societal expectations we have. It reflected very much the church. Well, that is disappearing fast. And, and so our role is changing. And as frightening as that is, And again, back to this having faith, I think we have to have faith that it also offers an opportunity for renewal. Individually, it should also offer us the same, because Jesus is always coming to us with an opportunity for renewal, whether we deserve it or not, frankly. I mean, coming as a baby, right? When he came as a baby to earth, is that not one of the ultimate signs of renewal? If you have ever had a child you know it is right you look in the eyes of a baby and you see as author lish mcbride says you know what the great thing about babies is they are like little bundles of hope like the future in a basket what an ultimate sign of renewal jesus was in coming that way and an ultimate renewal that he offers us he brings hope of a renewed future and does so and so does his envoy in this case, in the church of Laodicea and to us. So if you would, we're going to read out of Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. And I will preface this up front. I will say that the, uh, the church at Laodicea, God doesn't have a lot of good words to say to him, to say to them about where they are, about their current state, and even their understanding and their practice of their faith, their engagement with the things of God but he doesn't leave them hanging. Let's let's read through this. It says Revelation chapter three, 14 through 22. I'm gonna read again this week out of the ESV because it's got that word behold in it. It says this, and in the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Well, that's, <laughs> that's a great visual, isn't it? It says, for you say, I am rich and I have prospered. I, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. And here's our word. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Right out of the gate, we see this word, this angel that comes, an angel of the church of Laodicea, right? And tells this angel to write the words of the amen. That is the beginning and the end, right? The That's really what amen means when you're saying it at the end of a, a prayer. It really just means the end, done. <laughs> but that's that's the idea. He's trying to convey something very, very powerful here that he is representing the God of all creation, the beginning and the end, the final answer in all things. The word there used for angel, angelos, right, is is a messenger or an envoy. It's someone who's designed to go to to connect, almost like an ambassador to connect and send a message to someone directly from God. It's the same word we see used in Luke chapter two with the shepherds. It says when an angel came to them and this bright light opened up and they were able to, and he came and said, look, today in, in Bethlehem, a child is born. The savior is born. It's that same word, the same concept where the shepherds fell on their knees in fear, which quite frankly is most often what happens in scripture. And I'm betting that's what I would do too. Here, there's no sense of that. There's, instead, there's a sense of familiarity a sense of connection. They know this messenger. They know God. And they know the spirit of God that he is sending to them to talk to them. Even though the message isn't overly rousing, right? He says, look, you're lukewarm. I, I know you. I know you well. I know what you do and I know what you don't do. And and you're not against me, really. And you're not for me, really. You're just kind of there doing Right, existing, the the message there about being neither hot nor cold would not have been lost in the church at Laodicea. Laodicea was actually placed about halfway between Hierapolis and Colossae, both of which, both of those two towns, were known for their healing waters. In Hierapolis, they were known for their hot springs, very, very hot water that it was said when you touched it or bathed in it it would it would heal you. It had healing properties, many, many people believed. On the other hand, Colossae had mountain spring water very 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 cold water who was that was also said to have power to it right said to have healing properties so as the people of this are reading this letter to the church in Laodicea they're hearing that they're hearing the power and the healing the healing power of the hot waters and the healing power of the cold waters and and God is saying to them look by the time it gets to you It's tepid at best, right? It's lost its heat if it was hot, and it's warmed up if it was cold, and it's lost its powers. And so that's important for us to understand because the church at Laodicea would have heard that it had lost its power, that it had lost its presence of the Holy Spirit working and moving it the way that God intended. The truth is they had embraced something. They had embraced their own prosperity as the thing that was going to power them, that was going to lift them up, that was going to keep them strong, give them peace, give them joy. They had developed a faith that was more reliant on themselves than in God. They found joy in their own works rather than in the works of God. And they found peace in maintaining their lifestyle, not regardless of their lifestyle. And, And can I just tell you, if we are so obsessed with maintaining a certain status quo, Um, man, that's a whole lot of energy and effort and pain and frustration that just doesn't have to be. Because if our joy is dependent upon that, joy will always elude us. Because it's work trying to keep your status quo the status quo rather than being able to find joy regardless of whether or not you're living in the status quo or living at the prosperity level you wish. It's freeing, to be honest. They're relying on their riches rather than God. And their relationship with Jesus, frankly, desperately needs renewing. And then we we see that word behold, right? If we remember, that word is about not just seeing something, physically seeing it, but seeing it, recognizing it for what it is, understanding its value and its importance. And so when you see it show up, it's there for a reason, Right? It's there to say, look, uh, this is something you have to see. This is something you have to fully understand and grasp. If you don't grasp it, you are missing out on what I'm offering you here. And he says, behold, look, see, understand. I am standing at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me the phrasing there when it says i stand at the door and knock behold i stand at the door and knock that's reminiscent of actually a phrase out of the song of solomon my phone is ringing i need to turn it off it's a scam likely let's mute this thing right now i can't believe i have to do this all right mute we're there see i mess up too (laughs) happens every sunday um and so it's reminiscent of the book of Song of Solomon. In, in S- Song of Solomon, chapter five, you see this picture of this bride waiting for her groom and she's waiting patiently for him to show up. And in chapter five, verse two, it, she says, I slept, but my heart was awake. A sound, my beloved is knocking, right? This, this person who has long, long desired and wanted to return has returned and 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 the author here in revelation uses that purposefully to help us see that this when he says behold he's saying look the opportunity for renewal is returning the opportunity to be reborn and rebirth is coming you've been waiting on this you've grown lukewarm you're neither hot neither or cold you've lost you've lost what drives you you've lost the peace you've lost the joy in some ways you've lost faith in God and he's He's here, he's knocking, he's ready to come back in. He's ready to change that, and he's ready to give you an opportunity. Don't miss this. It's not a kind word he offers them out of the gate when he says you're lukewarm, but he doesn't do so without offering an opportunity for hope and there's a a clear sense of reciprocity here when he talks about he and him right they're going you're gonna live in the last two verses it says. I mean, you find it, it says, the one who conquers, I will grant him. That's, that would be you or me, right? If you conquer this challenge and if you, and you see and understand and embrace that he is there and say, Lord, I need you, let's go. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to be reborn. I'm ready to be renewed. I'm ready to, to put my faith back in you if I've lost it. And, and that's important for us to understand. This text is not meant for those necessarily who do not yet know God. This is about the people of God who already know him and have lost their way or have allowed their faith, the passion they have for their faith to cool. And he's offering them a chance to return for that to be renewed. So he says, I will come to him and eat with him and he with Me, there's this notion of relationship. I'm coming to you, you're coming to me. We are growing together and we are restoring this relationship. We are renewing this relationship because that's what it takes. It takes two sides. And the message here is very clear Jesus is there. The I am, the amen, the beginning, the end, the author of all creation, the chance for renewal. He is there. He's not there out of a desperation. Truth is, Jesus doesn't need us to get through eternity, right? He's there out of love. And he says that. He says, those whom I love, in verse 19, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, right? He says, look, I love you. And I'm telling you these things, not because I don't, but because I want you to grow. It's like a parent with their child, right? It's like a parent with their child. And so he says... Behold, I'm standing at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, let's go. I will come in. I am back. It's not an invitation for readers to be converted, but to renew themselves in a relationship with Christ that has already begun. And as we leave this today and as we leave this series, that's what I'm hoping for. This time of year this anticipation time, this Advent time, this Christmas time in particular is an opportunity for renewal. It's an opportunity to come back to the savior of your soul. If you have wandered away or if you've lost your way or if you've um, just kind of become comfortable doing what you're doing, trusting yourself instead of him, and the joy and the peace of God elude you, this is an opportunity, today is an opportunity, why not today, for you to renew that relationship? Because Jesus is at the door knocking, and he's offering you, an op- you and I both an opportunity to come in. And he finishes by saying in verses 21 and 22, to the one who conquers, which by the way, is to open the door to him to conquer our fears of what we might lose and embrace what he is offering. I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I have also conquered and sat with my father on his throne. And he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Listen, I'm here, I'm knocking. All you gotta do is answer the door and I will come in. It is my hope in this season that you will open the door to Jesus. That you will remember whose you are. That you will give him an opportunity to renew you. To make you a new creation in him. That you will find an opportunity to have your joy restored, your peace restored, and your faith flourish. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and he be gracious to you. May he grant you favor and give you peace, God bless.